The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor-comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our uh, three-hour tour. This is the third half, and I had uh, originally planned to talk with um, Chantel Bisson, an author, celebrity wife, mom, and marina owner, she is the and somehow she found time to write some books but uh apparently we uh got our wires crossed and uh we aren't able to connect with her uh yet this morning um so i what i will uh what i will do instead is uh move on to another interview i did uh recently yesterday maybe um with uh Terry Jastrell who has uh, written a a very interesting book um, called The Trial of George W. Bush. And it's a novel uh, based on the premise that uh, George Bush um, gets uh, many years after the September 11th uh, attack on the uh, World Trade Center um, gets charged for, instead of going after Osama bin Laden, invading um, uh, Iraq rather than Afghanistan. And uh, it's pretty interesting. And the author is actually uh, a very accomplished uh, seven-time Emmy Award winner for his work in uh, television production and directing uh, for ABC Sports. But uh, he has a fascination with this story and with George Bush. And the premise is that that many years later, George W. Bush gets yanked off a golf course 
and hauled before The Hague to stand trial for uh, alleged uh, war crimes. And it's, uh, anyway, it's, it's a very interesting conversation. Um, although I was very much looking uh, forward to talking with Chantel about her book, Raising Your Kids Without Losing Your Cool. Hopefully we'll be able to reschedule that. But um, we'll just go ahead and, uh, and press on, as they say. Welcome to live radio. Sometimes you have to make these little adjustments on the fly, but here we go. We'll see how this, uh, see how this works out. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, guest this hour is uh, the winner of seven Emmy Awards for his work as a television uh, producer and director for ABC Sports. And he's written a book called The Trial of George W. Bush. And we're going to find out what those two things have to do with each other from my guest this hour, Terry Jastro, who joins me by phone. Hi, Terry. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. My pleasure to join you. How do you go from winning Emmys for sports television uh, direction and production to writing basically a historical novel? Well, I had the great good fortune of um, starting my life at ABC Sports right after I graduated from college because in those days, ABC Sports did the uh, uh, three of the major golf tournaments and a lot of the PGA Tour events. Uh, and the president of ABC Sports uh, was a, a man by the name of Rune Arledge. And uh, he, he, he is the guy who created uh, a Wide World of Sports, along with Jim McKay, ABC's Wide World of Sports, you know, spanning the globe to bring a constant variety. Of yeah, I remember, I remember them both. Yes, and, 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 and so to, to come to the answer of your question, Rune was a great storyteller. He was a very literate man. He was a very articulate man. He was, had a huge personality. He was tons of fun to be with. Uh, and, and, and he was a great storyteller. And so uh, as, as a young producer uh, at, at ABC, I think, I think I started producing at something like age 74 because, uh, again, Rune had uh, three of the four major championships and a lot of the great PGA Tour events like the Bing Crosby and the LA Open and the list goes on. Um, and none of his, his, his producers uh, played golf. They were great producers, and they would produce wide world sports and college football, but none of them played golf. And anybody knows anything about golf, uh, you got to know something about it, if not a lot about it, to be able to capture the, the story at any one time. So um, uh, he elevated me very quickly. We became friends, started playing golf together. He ev- elevated me quickly, and uh, so I was, became a producer at ABC at age 24. And you and were so the youngest producer. Uh, the young, youngest, yes. So, so said the PR people at ABC Sports in those days, <laughs> probably so. But so I was saddled up with Jim McKay and uh, Chris Schinkel and Howard Cosell and, uh, and, and people who uh, really understood st- storytelling and communication. Uh, and I just, I just tried to, to provide whatever guidance uh, I could and then shut up 
and let them do their thing. And, and they were great and helpful and informative. And that was the basis of my approach uh, and beginning as a storyteller. And, and then what was it about this particular story? And, and, and I suppose we should probably give a little synopsis of, of the book. Um, yeah, my, my pleasure. So The Trial of George W. Bush is a novel set in the future in which George W. Bush is basically kidnapped and transported to the International Criminal Court in The Hague to stand trial for war crimes that he may or may not have committed in connection with the Iraq War. That's the, na- that's the, nature, that's the nature of the book. He actually, he actually gets kidnapped off the 17th hole of the old course in St. Andrews, Again, this is a fiction. <laughs> he gets uh, kidnapped. He loves to play golf, and one well, can imagine he might be over there playing, and the, and the uh, International Criminal uh, Court uh, police would, might have been tipped off, and they, 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 they nab him, the kidnapping very quickly, uh, anesthetizing, knock him out, put him in a van, and, and take him away within minutes from the International Criminal Court. So that's in Scotland. What hole? And, uh, and uh, and uh, you know jets uh, to take him to uh, the Hague, and and you know within you know something like less than an hour, he's being sub- uh, uh, registered in as a printer, pr- prisoner at the International Criminal Court. And then of course he gets all of this. He's allowed to get his attorneys, and they do, they do they they give him all the rights, and uh, and and we start the trial. Uh, and I I always loved uh, trials and and such. And so uh, I, I did a ton of research. I love to research. I don't consider that labor. I consider that art. Because, you know, the best, especially when you tell stories like I like to tell, the more uh, 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 accurate it is, authentic it is, the more, the more interested it is to the, to the reader. If it's plausible, they're going to say, what the hell? This, this, is, this is possible. And, and coming to the end of this little essay, Tom, the, uh, the International Criminal Court, uh, uh, the, the laws are that a person is subject to arrest and trial until the day he dies. So George W. Bush is uh, like, uh, you know, 74 or so. I, I've got, uh, how, how, how long I know George in our early days together is an interesting story, but let me keep going. George is, I think, 74 or 75. So he is subject to arrest and a trial for th- th- till the day he dies, which could be, you know, another 15 years or so. So there's no statute of limitations. There is no statute of limitations in international crime. And, and uh, you know, what? he's snatched off the golf course. What hole? 17th hole, the, the road hole, the one that goes to the right, the, the Jigger Inn, it's a very known, war, very known watering hole, a little bar, a little restaurant in bar. And they, they, they park. It's very, very logistically possible. They couldn't but, uh, wait till he thing. finished his 18 and, and take him at the clubhouse, Terry. Oh, hell no. He has too many people around there. No, they, 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 the, 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 there's not even a fence between the right edge, the right rough of the 17th fairway and the parking lot of the Jigger Inn. There's, there's these little uh, round wooden stumps just to, uh, that's, uh, that are set about 
you know, six, six feet apart so cars don't drive on the old course. Other than that, you know, the, the, the old course belongs to the people, not a private club. It's very much a public uh, a club, and it belongs to the people of St. Andrews. So they walk out there with their dogs, and, and all, they walk around all the time. They have just as much right on there as the golf course. So it's easy to get on, and that was the basis of how I could do a, a plausible uh, abduction of him, because if I, I, I did, couldn't figure out that, the rest of the book wasn't going to make any sense. Right, right, and and I would be a little bit curious how the uh, the arresting officers got past uh, Secret Service. They there there were Secret Service. They there there they were very well studied uh, in advance, and there were enough uh, uh, international uh, uh, you know uh, police involved and and and. Uh, uh, military and the, the International Criminal Court has its own military um, um, involved. So they had enough people and they targeted, they, they, they started watching Bush's uh, uh, game when he teed off and so they knew who his uh, bodyguards were and, and his people and they targeted him. By the time uh, they, uh, they, the, the, the group got around to the 17th hole, Everybody knew exactly what they were going to do to neutralize Bush's uh, 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 entourage and capture him uh, safely without turn, uh, 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 injuring him or hurting him in any way and transporting him to the International Criminal Court uh, uh, prison uh, in The Hague. You know, there were a lot of people here in the U.S. that... that uh, um had issues with the fact that um, George W. Bush, uh, then president, um, sent troops into Iraq. And and I remember even a Saturday Night Live sketch where they were making fun of the fact that no weapons of mass destruction were found. Yes. So let, do you remember that? <laughs> I do. But Tom, let, let's talk about this because you you started this 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 subject by saying a lot of people thought it was curious or unusual or was confusing. Why why the Iraq War? But let's talk about this because it's 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 central to this point. Okay. Sure. Nine eleven occurred in two thousand one, September two thousand one. Right. Okay. And, and, and George Bush was president. So obviously the burden and challenge of him avenging 9-1 as the president of the United States was job one. So, and where was Osama bin Laden? Everybody knows that Osama bin Laden was, was hiding in Afghanistan. More with author Terry Jastro straight ahead. Fashion Radio for a new generation. The Tom Program dot com. The Tom Sumner
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More with author Terry Jastro straight ahead. Bush sent troops in order to try to get uh, Osama bin Laden. Now, that, that's, that's a movie in itself, but the facts are, the history is, he couldn't get him. And he couldn't get him after months. So Bush and his critics, Rumsfeld and Cheney, and by the way, when I say George W. Bush, I mean George W. Bush, uh, 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 Dick Cheney, and and Donald Rumsfeld. His administration. They were the they were they were they were they were they were partners in crime. Okay. But in the international criminal law, the single person most responsible is brought to trial first. That's that that's a mandate if possible in I guess if George wasn't around they could go after Dick Cheney and 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 uh, Donald Rumsfeld. But but George was the guy. So they couldn't they couldn't get Osama bin Laden. And there was a drumbeat for war and they panicked in the sense that they had turned their attention to Saddam Hussein in Iraq, who had nothing to do with the 9-11 attacks. It, nothing to do. And it, the thing is, George's father uh, had fought a war uh, with, with uh, 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 Saddam Hussein. To push him know, out of Kuwait. Kuwait, right. And he, he hated uh, Saddam Hussein. So he panicked when he couldn't get uh, uh, Osama bin Laden. I say panic, somebody else is welcome to come up with another word, but the point is he turned the attention of him, his attention and the attention of the U.S. military away from bin Laden and, for, and, to, and to Saddam Hussein and started his, uh, the, the Iraq war in March of 2003. Uh, uh, and, and, and finally, you know, Bush, when I, it just ran its course. But I used to know the numbers by heart. It's in the book. But I, I, I've even kind of tried to dismiss them from, from my mind because they're so horrific. The number of American soldiers killed, I think that's something like four or 5,000 killed in Bush's war. And in, in, in modern days, uh, 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 war wounds, because the, the protection is so uh, comprehensive for soldiers, uh, 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 wars and fighting wounds human beings more than kills them. So there was like four or 5,000 people killed, but there's like 20,000 people wounded in Bush's war, along with a million Iraqi people killed in that war. And on top of that, if that's not enough, he spent an ungodly amount of money. I, again, I used to know that it was something like $300 billion on his war. And for what purpose? Now, if, if there's not a crime in that, in terms of the, 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 the killing of people and the, 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 you know, the mis, misuse use of, judge, of justice and uh, exploiting this presidency and whatever else the, the legal uh, rudiments are, I, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't not call this to attention. And, and the, the final 
sentence to the answer to your question is, because the Bush can get away with it, others can as well. You mentioned a little bit ago, Terry, that, that you got to know George Bush a little bit. Yeah, this is an interesting story. George Bush, George Bush's daddy, George H.W. Uh, uh, Bush, was an oil man in Midland, Texas in the 50s. And so was my dad, or my daddy. They knew each other. And, and George and I played Little League against each other. Really? Yes. He, he was on the Cubs, and he, played, he, was a, he was a catcher on the Cubs. And I played on a team called the Braves. We played a little league, little league against each other. And my mother, who came out of the game, she used to be amazed at George. He, he, by the way, even back then, he had a terrific personality. You'd, you'd come up to bat, and he was like, hey, Jastro, we're go, you're, you're not going to hit this ball. We're going to get your, you know, he's, he's, he's so gregarious. And, and there's nobody better at a party. <laughs> right. But he's very, very, he, he's a, he has a beautiful personality, he has tons of fun. Uh, nobody can take that, that away from him. But the thing that my mother used to be amazed at, so he's a catcher and he's all, he's stooped down, he's in a catcher's position. He used to be able to spit through the catcher's mask across the 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 plate uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it spit through the catcher's catcher's mask and across the plate uh, with ease he could he would spit all the time it's not a, it's not a little off color but how many people can do that we'll just call it inside baseball inside baseball and finally uh, uh, when i was at the university of houston I dated a, a, a really nice lady, and he. This is, by the way, years before Barbara. I'm uh, sorry, years before Laura. But I dated a, a, a really nice girl at, when I was at the University of, Tech, of Houston, and and he dated uh, her sister. So we, we we would see each other when we would pick him up. I think we maybe even went on a date or two together. So I I, I known him, you know, uh, for all along, and then. Uh, later, when he was uh, governor of the state of Texas, and Ann and I were down in Austin doing something, I would think I was producing a golf tournament for ABC or something, uh, I called, and uh, his assistant said, George, George, just get your ass in here. There's Ann in town. And I said, he said, well, get, you know, come see him. So, uh, like the next morning at 9 o'clock, Ann and I show up at, uh, at the governor's office in Austin, and we're sitting in the rating room. And at 9 o'clock on the nose, George, you know, busts into the mating room. You know, it was about a, I don't know, 30 or 40 walk across from his door to where Ann and I were sitting in the couch. And he said, Jastro, how the hell are you? But actually, I don't really want to know about you anymore. I want to meet Ann. And, oh, you know, BS, BS. And then we went into his office. And, and he, uh, he plopped this beautiful, expensive, black, well-polished cowboy boots on the, on, the, on the governor's desk and put his hands over his, his back behind his thing. And we sat there for an hour talking, and all he wanted to know about is Ann and movies and, you know, uh, how, how do you do it and do you get nervous, all that stuff. And anyway, that, he's, a, he's a really fun guy, and it kind of breaks my heart that, you know, that a guy who I was so fond of, uh, you know, would wage a war that would so bad that it would motivate me to have to write 
you know, a novel about it. Well, let me let me ask about that because um, this isn't this isn't the president's trial or the trial of an American president. This is the trial of George W. Bush. Correct. Did you have to get any special uh, permissions or? Any kind of indemnification? Have you had any feedback from W about what he thinks of the book? No, I don't know. Uh, uh, well, there, 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 there's two answers. One, I don't know whether George has ever read it. I'm, I, I, I don't. I, I'm gonna. I, I, I don't even know he knows about it, frankly. But I'm gonna guess somebody told him about it. I haven't. I, he hasn't communicated with me, and I haven't communicated with him. But I, I'm, I, I guess he probably knows about it. I would assume he's not read it. Uh, but here's the answer to your question. Public figures are in the public domain. Okay. You don't have, you know, if a guy's the president of the United States or if a guy's, I don't know, Frank Sinatra or, uh, you know, Shakira or, you know, or uh, Tom Brady to some extent, uh, you know, people write about them. They're 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 in the public. Uh, they 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 can't copyright everything they do. Uh, and finally, you know, George uh, George did it as president. Of what he did as the president of the United States. So that doesn't mean they're not culpable for what they did, even though they're no longer in the office. But because of his public figure status, and actually as president, he's fair game. He is. Yeah, you can write lovely things about, you know, a lot of presidents write their own, but I think he's written this book. But people write, you know, they write different things about different people, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, you don't have to go seek rights. It's, it's in the, the story is in the public domain. Um, did you give that any any thought because you knew him, because you knew the family a little bit, that, were you uncomfortable telling this story at all? No, no. I, I can tell you that I, I vetted it with my attorneys here. Uh, my wife and I had some really great t attorneys here, and uh, we studied it within an inch of its life to uh, satisfy ourselves. We had every le le legal jurisdiction on our side for me to proceed with the research and writing of the novel. And and I'm curious why you selected a, a novel with your television background. Why you wouldn't think of maybe doing a screenplay? Well, I, I <laughs> thank you very much. I hope somebody wants to make a movie out of it. It should be made into a movie. It would it would be a great uh, uh, long form television program. A great long form tele te te television. Program and uh, some some of my friends and my some and my and my attorney and somebody said if you were going to do a multiple episode uh, about it, which you would take. I mean, you know, I don't know how long the the book is, but forty something thousand words, fifty something thousand words. Uh, it would be a multiple episode series, but I would I would mount it as as if it were happening actually as if it were happening. I, in other words, the script of the screenplay or the script of the multiple episode television event is the novel. The novel is the script. 
So you'd shoot it like live television. Absolutely. It would be a, can you imagine? It would be like, can you imagine if this actually happened? The news coverage on it? George W. Bush is playing golf on the, 18th, on the 17th hole at St. Andrews and gets abducted? That would be on every news channel in all the world in less than an hour. Less yeah. than an hour. Yeah, I think that would qualify. It would, yeah. it would actually qualify as breaking news. Yeah, oh, and, the, and, the, and you know, the next day they discover that he was helicoptered in the cover of night and he's in the International Criminal Court. How long would that be? How long would it take that to get out as a news break? And now you've got the attention of all the world. What the hell is going to happen? But that, that, that's, that's what the novel is. That would be the novel would be the screenplay uh, or the, uh, the the multiple episode uh, uh, script. Has that has that ever? Um, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, Terry. Maybe this didn't come up in your research, but has there ever been a, a time when the Hague pulled in um, a a country's leader? Like not e- a major company. Not 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 a major company. Equal to none, none of the equal you know, to the, a president. The, yeah, yeah. N- n- you know, not 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 certainly not the United States or you know any of the European countries or Russia or China. You know, ha- hasn't done it yet. Doesn't mean they couldn't, and it doesn't mean they shouldn't. Uh, uh, but they haven't yet. Well, Frankly, and- uh, you know, I wish the International Criminal Court. Which uh, is if in La- in New York, the head the headquarters of it, the the the, cor- the, the international uh, 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 the U I'm sorry the UN because the, U- the International Criminal Court is a body underneath the UN, the United Nations, created by the United Nations and sanctioned by it. Uh, but the court, of course, is is in the Hague. But uh, listen, uh, you know if if the if the United Nations Finds and the United Nations has a security force, as you know. I think they have like light blue helmets. But if they find somebody guilty of crimes, they have no choice to bring him in and put him on trial. And they would do it at the International Criminal Court. Is is there a a, a warrant issued? Um, is is there an official yes. process? Yes, yes. It, 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 uh, 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 international criminal law drawn up by lawyers. It replicates uh, uh, laws that you would find in the UK or the United States or other, you know, civilized, law-abiding countries. Fairly simple and similar. Well, this is fascinating. Is this something... um, Have you always had an interest in in history and... and Politics and blending those things, doing historic novels. No, I don't. I, I wouldn't say that. I've always been interested in storytelling, though. History is whatever. I guess you could say you you find a lot of great stories, or where else? You know, if you yeah I, yeah history and uh, that's fine. It's just it's just storytelling. I love to read. I love to hear good stories. I try to tell tell stories I think are good. I just love the art of it. Uh, you know, it's it's a great art, uh, way of entertaining people, and at the same time informing people. 
and sometimes even galvanizing people. It's just a great form. And I sit here alone in my study, writing it in, in, you know, in solitude in the hopes that you know, 10 people, 10,000 people, 100,000, 10 million read it. But then again, you know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, um, it's a fascinating subject. What's, what's next for you, Terry? When did the book come out? Uh, the book is, uh, the book is like, it is, I think it's, it's like out. It just got, it just got published. Uh, I think that people should check their bookstores or, uh, you know, go online, just Google it. The trial of, the, the trial of, of George W. Bush, just Google it. Uh, I think it, it's on Amazon. Uh, that I've done. I've Googled, Googled it on Amazon. In fact, I'm going to do it right now again just to make sure. So I'm just going to Amazon, and I am going to... Uh, uh, Say the trial of. Uh, you still there? Uh, no, I'm the worst. I'm the worst typer in the world. But I, I'm, I'm just about to get it. The trial of <laughs> Bush and. Yeah, it's on. It's on. If you, if you if you go to Amazon and you type in the trial of George W. Bush, it pop up pops up on the first page. I will tell you, there's a, another book a book called The Triumph of Nancy Reagan that's next to it, and right next to it is uh, the trial of George W. Bush. On well, Amazon. well, what's what's next, Terry? Are, are uh, you? Let's see here. Have you got more stories oh, to tell? Oh my God! Oh my God, Tom! I'm writing. I'm writing another book. Uh, I'm writing. I'm writing a novel that I'm having such a, such a ball with. It's called Past Is Prologue, and it's the story about baby boomers coming of age at the end of the 1960s. Now, baby boomers, as you probably know, you may even be one, are defined are all people born after World War II. So Amer America's the GIs went over and fought the, the, the Great War and won World War II, and they came back to, they came home, uh, the war was over in 1945, and what did they do? They started making babies in record numbers, and there were 76 million uh uh, baby boomers. Today, there's about 70 million still left. So, uh, baby boomers became teenagers in the late 60s. In the late 60s, around, depending on how old they were, but teenagers were between like 18 and 24 or so in 1969. And it was just a hugely turbulent year. Among other years, it was the first time uh, we, we put a man on the moon, Apollo 11. Uh, it, it was a story about w w women's lib, gay liberation, uh, putting a man on the moon. And it so happened that, the, that uh, the, the Texas and Arkansas uh, 
were uh, were the great college football teams, and and they ended up the Rune Arledge, the great Rune Arledge, because the, uh, 1969 was the centennial year, the 100th year of college football. Rune uh, knew that Texas and Arkansas were going to have great teams, and he guessed that they would be playing for the national championship. This is incredible, Tom. This is part of the story. So Rune Arledge in 1969, you no doubt will check this out, he, he dislodged the Texas-Arkansas game from, from its reg- regularly scheduled week and added a week to the college football season into December, and there was only one game. He put one game on this, on this week, on this Saturday, Texas-Arkansas, and the season goes through, and Ohio State gets beat, and Mission gets beat, and USC gets beat with O.J. Simpson and all that stuff. And Texas and Arkansas are undefeated, and they're playing in this game, and it's the only game. In t- so a lot of, of what kind of uh, uh, happens past this prologue you know, has, has a crescendo to it. And things, all of the principal characters are at the game in one way or another. Well, that's great. I, I I hope you'll come back and talk about that when that when that book comes out. My guest is uh, a seven-time Emmy Award-winning uh, television producer and director, uh, formerly I guess formerly of ABC Sports. Oh yeah, no, no, for sure. <laughs> that's where I did it. Twenty twenty-one years at ABC Sports. And he has a new book. It's called The Trial of George W. Bush, where he stands trial at the Hague for war crimes related to uh, sending troops into Iraq and his capture of Saddam Hussein. Um, Terry, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Um, I always ask guests um, to share with listeners some way they can find out more about what we've been talking about and about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website, Terry? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's it's Terry Jastro, one word, T-E-R-R-Y-J-A-S-T-R-O-W, Terry Jastro, one word, dot com. Well, that is easy. Terry, it, it's, uh, that's as easy as uh, having a conversation with you. This was wonderful. Aren't you kind? <laughs> Take care, Terry. I've enjoyed it, too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye for now. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <laughs> Old-fashioned radio For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com 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 Hey! 
Yeah. This is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. 
through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Say, Edgar, uh, what about that golf tournament that you and W.C. Fields were supposed to play off yesterday? Mm-hmm. Who won? Well, we, we didn't get very far, Bill. You didn't, Ed? What was the matter? Well, I should have known better than to let Charlie caddy for us, of course. <laughs> well, Edgar, do you mean there was trouble? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what happened, Bill. See, Charlie and I got out there first, and it was a, it was a beautiful morning. It was a great day, and a perfect day for golf, I see. And, uh... Did we have to get out of here so early, Bergen? You know, it's it's awful cold out here this time of day. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll just bet you anything Mr. Fields doesn't even show up at this time. Oh, well, now, he promised he would be here at 6.30. He did, huh? Yes, he did. Me, my books and my bottles. <laughs> sucker for singing out that little Jane Powell would be marvelous. My voice isn't anything like her at all. Uh, no, it is, no. Oh. W.C. voice. Uh, You're a walking ad for black coffee, Bill. Oh, wait. <laughs> hello, Mr. Fields. Hello. Uh, hello, my little chum. I was thinking of you only yesterday. No, you were Yes, I was cleaning out the woodshed at the time. Reminded me of you. Mr. Fields, is that your nose or a new kind of (laughs) flamethrower? Very funny, Charles, very funny. What's this kid doing around here anyway, Edgar? Well, I'm going to be your caddy, Mr. Fields, and I'm going to keep score, too. Uh-oh. <laughs> he says, thanks. Yeah. Well, uh, would you rather I kept score, Bill? Well, to be perfectly frank with you, Edgar, I never trusted either one of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... What do you mean by that, Craig? I want you to know that Bergen is just an honest man as you are. You crook, you. Oh, no. <laughs> Please. That tips off the whole thing. Yeah. You'd better come out of the sun, Charles, before you get unglued. Do you mind if I stand in the shade of your nose? (laughs) Let's not start that now, fellas, please. Now, I'm sure that Charlie will be very fair uh, scorekeeper for... Uh, Tell me, Charles, if I take three drives and three putts, 
What's my score? Well, that's yes, three and three. Uh, uh, that's four, Mr. Fields. Oh, very good. Very good, Charles. How do you arrive at four? Well, I'll tell you. You see, when you were putting, a quarter fell out of your pocket. You see. Oh, yes, yes. Well, that sounds like a workable arrangement. Yes. <laughs> oh, isn't this a lovely day, Bill? Lovely. You know, the air is so intoxicating. Intoxicating. Yes. <laughs> it is, eh? Stand back and let me take a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to be quiet, Charlie. Mr. Fields is going to tee off. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, quiet, please. I shall now take my usual stance. Oh, I wouldn't do that. The ground's a little wet. Oh, no. <laughs> quiet, you termites flop house. <laughs> now, Charlie, I want you to keep quiet now. He's getting ready to drive. Oh, yes, yes, I'm sorry. Now, if you don't mind a suggestion, Bill, you're not holding your club right. Uh, bend your elbow a little more. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Telling Fields how to bend his elbow. Huh? That's like carrying coals to Newcastle. Oh. Charles, my little pal. Yes, Mr. Fields? You know the meaning of rigor mortis? No, sir. Well, you will in a minute. Oh. Uh, let's try and avoid that sort of a thing. And, Charlie, I want you to stop it. Yes, yes. You see, you have Mr. Fields all unstrung. Oh, yeah. Somebody get me a sedative with an olive in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. Pardon me, gentlemen. Uh, could I play through? Well, we'd rather you didn't. You see, we're getting along in a minute now. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Of course, there's no harm in asking. <laughs> oh. I wouldn't be so sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bill, hadn't we better get on with the game now? Of course, Edgar, have a take. Can I ever tell you of the time I was caddy master at the Bunk for Hyden Country Club? No, Bunk for Hyden? I didn't know he could say it. Oh, <laughs> that was a tough one to say, too. Yes. It was the top Mount Jungfrau in Switzerland. All right, Bill, now there are people waiting to play through. Oh, I have a lot, I have a lot of time left. Uh, Edgar, I hit a ball nine and three-quarter miles. It rolled in an open manhole in front of Swoven Holika's Rathskeller. Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe I've ever heard of the place. I don't know where it is. Ah, it's with a stone throw from uh, Wolfinger J. Uncoupler's yeah, place. Yes, uh, well, I don't know where that is either. I don't know about that. Oh, you don't get around much, do you? No. <laughs> I say, old chaps, would you mind awfully? Yes, we would. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, by the way, Caddy, what's the score? How do I stand? I often wonder. I often <laughs> But there is no score, Bill. We haven't started playing yet. Oh, so we haven't, oh. Caddy. Uh, you'd better give me my ball out of uh, my golf bag. Yes. Is it, is, it, uh, is it in this compartment, sir? Uh, no, that's where I keep my olives. Oh, it's... <laughs> you know, th this is the first golf bag I ever saw with a faucet on it. <laughs> What's in there? Oh, little snake bite remedy. Oh, <laughs> Excuse me, gentlemen, but I'm the president of the Greens Committee. Well, I'll take spinach. <laughs> well, just what do you want? Well, I'm afraid you're being a little too turf on the tub. I mean, too rough on the tub. Uh, I don't know what I mean. <laughs> What's the matter with that guy? Has he got DTs? 
You see before you, gentlemen, the shattered wreck of a man, <laughs> an unhappy creature who has ceased to know the joys of human existence. Ah, uh, teetotaler, eh? <laughs> Sir, I have no sympathy for a man who is intoxicated all the time. Yeah. No. Oh, you don't, eh? No, no sympathy. You have no sympathy for him. Well, a man who's intoxicated all the time, what do you think? <laughs> Just doesn't need any sympathy, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, it was my line I forgot it. I sure told you. all the rest of the day now. Yes. Would you like to hear my story, gentlemen? Oh, oh is he going to continue this thing? What are you yeah. sad about, Chum? What are you sad about? Well, sir, I'll tell you. Six months ago, my wife left me and went back to her mother. Well, that's too bad, but why are you still crying? Well, tomorrow she's coming back and oh. bringing her mother with her. Oh. <laughs> well, let's get on with the game, Bill. What do you say, huh? Chaps, please, could I play through? Say, what are you in such a rush about? Well, I really should get home. Why? Well, you see, my house is on fire. Oh, oh there's nothing now nicer than coming home to a warm house. <laughs> Where was I? Well, you were teeing off. Oh, yes, I was yeah. teeing Now, off. this time, keep your eye on the ball. If you can get your eye to detour around your nose. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Tell me, Charles, is it true that when you slide down a banister, the banister gets more splinters than you do? <laughs> Why, you bugle beak, you... <laughs> Why don't you fill your nose with helium and rent it out for a barrage balloon? All right. <laughs> Listen, you animated hitching post. Or I'll sick a beaver on you. You'll do no such thing, Bill. You'll not harm a hair on this boy's head. That's not the end I'm going to work on. <laughs> I'll clip you. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. I want to say thanks to uh, all of my guests that appeared on the show, starting with Terry Jastro this last hour, who uh, wrote the book, The Trial of George W. Bush. And before that, um, a really fascinating uh, conversation with um, uh, the author, uh, Ray Studevant is his name, the author of Black Sheep. A story of abandonment, belonging, racism, and redemption. We started out, speaking of racism, talking with the journalists and authors of uh, the book Driving While Brown. They were uh, Terry Green Sterling and Jude Jaffe Block. And we had to uh, make a, a program change because I wasn't able to connect as planned with Chantel uh, Bisson, but she did call and apologize for the uh, mix-up, and we have rescheduled it. So look to that in the future. Have a great weekend. Good night, everybody. The Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.